Well, hey, welcome. Hey, it is so good. I'm so excited uh, to start this new series, We Are One. And uh, I'm so excited. I matched my shoes to my shirt and then went further and matched my shirt to my face. So I'm going to just own it for a minute. This, this Michigan boy got some sun yesterday, all right? And uh, there is no doubt that uh, it's a little obnoxious, so I apologize. Uh, but as, as we get into this series, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the next few months. And uh, it is this bigger vision, this bigger picture that, that Jesus gives us uh, of not just himself, but his church. And it's amazing because it, it's this picture of unity, this encouraging word that calls us to be more than what the world around us is caught up in and being. And this is so important because we as a church are in a critical moment in time, not just at Pathway, but globally right now. The church has just weathered storms and things that have called into question its relevance and I got to tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church is more relevant than ever. The world needs what the church is meant to carry and have and be. And so as we get into this, I think it is going to be so encouraging uh, for us. And I also recognize that, that there are going to be things that we need to wrestle with deeply. Things that, that need to come through actually the spirit working through God's word. And so I just want to encourage you this summer, uh, you know, a lot of times in the summer you can think about like picking a book to read and, and, and something to like pick up and, and immerse yourself in. Go ahead and do Oprah's Book of the Month or whatever club you want to be a part of. But, but let me tell you ahead of any of those things, you know what you should be reading this summer over and over and over? It's the book of Ephesians. If we would spend time reading over and over these six chapters in Ephesians, God's word will not just transform us, but us as a church. And I want to pray along those lines because there is something God wants to do today, but also as we walk this out together. And it's an exciting time to be a part of Jesus' church and to be a part of Pathway. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us, what you provide through the gospel, through your spirit, and through your church. And Lord, as we look to you in this moment, and as we think about what's ahead in the months ahead in, in this series, we are one. We just ask that your word would come alive. Father, your word is what we need, and we thank you that it's alive and active, it calls us to be transformed into your image. And God, we want to see not just our individual lives grow to be more like you, but we want to see our church grow and mature to be more like you. So Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this journey. We pray for great joy, great love, and that we would be one through this. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we as a church have clarified our mission over the last seven months or so, and we've been sharing this, and you'll continue to hear it because it's so critical, not just to our mission, but, but to the heart of God. You know, Jesus summed up, love God and love people, and so our mission is really simple. Love God and love all people in our pathway. If you're online with us right now, uh, drop a heart and a 100 in 
the chat. Our hosts are waiting for it. They've got a little thing for you there. So love 100. And if you're here in person, can you tell your neighbor we're going to love 100? Can you t- All right, now turn to your other neighbor, your second choice this morning, and tell them we're going to love 100. Can you do that? All right, the good news is even if you are the second choice, you're God's first choice. Amen. Uh, But here's the deal. To love 100 means that in all of life, in all that we're a part of, we are loving the way God wants us to. Love is something that leads to unity. It is something that uh, Jesus' heart is all about us loving and being unified. And as we look at what all of this means and as we dive into it, I was thinking about that, that graphic for We Are One, this this puzzle that is put together uh, around this series. And, and, and that's what Jesus says. Is, Listen, as you love God and as you love people, I'm going to begin knitting you together as the body of Christ. It's almost like putting together a puzzle. Now, I won't claim that I've done a lot of puzzles in my life, okay? But I know people that have. But I did play a video game growing up that some of you, this will age me. Do any of you remember Tetris? Okay. Yeah, so much fun, right? And, and in Tetris, the, the, the puzzle pieces would come down the screen, and when you would make a connection, what would happen? It would disappear. It would go away. Some of you, over the last few years, you've played a little bit more modern game, a board game called Jenga, right? And what is Jenga? It's a puzzle that's put together, and the goal is to pull out a piece and to see if it'll still stand, to see if it'll still weather that game. And I got to thinking about like, that's kind of what we're dealing with in today's day and age. We're dealing with this reality that Jesus has meant to put us together in the body of Christ, across all differences that the world may have placed on us, to unify us, to be one, to love one another. And yet there's somebody that seems to be messing with it, pulling out pieces, pulling away from unity. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, we'll get to that in chapter 6, he addresses this person, this enemy that's, that's causing division, this enemy that wars against the unity in the church. See, we're playing a different game. We're not playing to pull pieces out and to see if it'll stand. We're playing to say, what's my part? How can I be unified? How can I be a part of God's body and what God is doing? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And what we're going to see here, and today we're looking at, is that Jesus is over all. Can you say that with me? Jesus is over all. Jesus is over all. He is supreme. He reigns. He rules. And what Paul does here in the book of Ephesians is he's writing a letter, most believed, to a church in Ephesus. Now, the thing about this letter is it was designed to be a circular letter, meaning that Ephesus was kind of the main city at that time in Asia. And so it started there, but this is a letter that was circulated throughout all of the churches. It is a letter that includes in its six chapters a number of things that are heartfelt giving of thanks from Paul and also prayer. A lot of prayer is actually in the book of Ephesians. In addition to that, it's very, very encouraging. You know, if you've read through the New Testament, there are letters to churches that aren't necessarily the most encouraging. Some of them can be quite corrective of those churches. 
Ephesians is really an encouraging book that's to tell them, hey, this is what it was meant to be. This is the way my body should look. It also includes a lot of the good news, the good news that Jesus is overall. And this was at a time when this church in Ephesus would have needed this news because of the pressures they were facing. Let's look at it. We'll just get started here in the first two verses. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says this is to this church in Ephesus, and I want to talk for a minute to tell you about Ephesus and us, some similarities contextually about Ephesus. Here's what Ephesus was. It was a Greek colony that was now the capital of the Roman province of Asia. This was a busy commercial port. This was a place where commerce was happening and and people were coming in and out. Lots of tourism, lots of uh, wealth being transferred. In fact, it was very diverse economically. It was ethnically diverse, as many big cities are. They they had economic diversity. They had ethnic diversity. They also were generationally diverse. And I got to tell you, what we see there in this letter, what we see in God's church is our God has a heart for a multi-generational body of Christ. Hello? If you're young, that's good news. If you're old, that's good news. He also has a heart for a multi-ethnic body of Christ, that God's church is global. It includes all tribes and nations. And so in their particular context in Ephesus, that meant that the people in their pathway that were in their city felt welcomed at that particular church. It also was multi-economic. So much so that because Paul was declaring that Jesus is over all, you know what happened? If you go to the book of Acts 19, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 19, Paul creates controversy because Paul actually begins to teach something that causes people to say, wait a minute, there's a better kingdom. There's this Jesus that's over all. And what happens is they quit worshiping at this temple to this goddess, Armatus, or Diana, as many called her. In fact, in Ephesus, there was a temple to this goddess, Diana, that was actually considered one of the seventh wonders of the world. It drew in people and was part of their economic engine. They were benefiting and profiting off this false worship. And so you can imagine, if you read in Acts 19, that here comes Paul saying, listen, Jesus is over it, and he takes a lot of heat because suddenly people quit buying the little trinkets about Diana. Are you tracking with me? We live in a day in a world that is so similar to what Paul was writing to this church. We live in a time where we are facing cultural pressure. We are facing un unprecedented, to use that world, pressure on the church. And we need to get to the roots. This is what Paul is helping them to do, is to get back to the good news and to who you are as the body of Christ. Now, this book of of Ephesians, John McKay, who is the uh, former president of Princeton Theological Seminary, he said this 
uh, he, he said he owed this, his, this book of Ephesians his life. That literally at age 14, when he was reading the book of Ephesians, this is why I'm telling you, read it this summer, he said he had an awakening, and here are his exact words from his journal. He said, as I read Ephesians, I saw a new world. Everything was new. I had a new outlook, new experiences, new attitudes towards other people. I loved God. Jesus Christ became the center of everything. I had been quickened. I really was alive. Y'all, God's word is so powerful. And he had this experience reading through Ephesians and getting a bigger vision and an clarity around his identity. And, and this is where we're going to start as we go into the next verse is that Jesus gives us, as he's overall, he gives us identity clarity. And we live in a day and age when there is a lot of confusion around identity. Who are we individually? Who are we collectively? And Jesus gives identity clarity. Check it out here in verse 3 through 10. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chosen him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy, which means set apart, and blameless before him. In love, say in love. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. I love that, right? That he has blessed us and given us this identity that is rooted in the beloved, which is his people, his tribe, his bride, his church. Goes on here, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite, say unite, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. You know, in that first verse there, as we're getting some identity clarity, there is a mention, you see Father, Son, and Spirit. You, you see this reality of a Trinitarian God, a, a God who dwells in community, Father, Son, and Spirit. He is one in that Trinity, and he also calls his body to be one, that we actually reflect the image of God, Scripture teaches. Now, as we look at this, throughout these few verses, there are moments where he's helping us to understand our identity. Let me, let me show you here as we put this up for you. I am, he says, adopted, blessed, beloved, redeemed, forgiven, lavished, and united. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can say that you are these things. So, audience participation, if you're online, drop it in the chat. Are you ready? Let's say this together. I am adopted, blessed, beloved, redeemed, forgiven, lavished, and united. This is what Paul is saying to give them clarity on who they are. And for some of, you, some of you, as you look at those words, some of them you're like, I, 
I don't necessarily feel that today. I don't necessarily know that. And the reality is Paul is saying that's part of what I want to help you with. I want to invite you into your real identity in Christ. That first word as I was preparing for this message really stood out to me. Adopted. Here's a family picture of our family. We're a family of six. There's always that one person in the photo, right? There's always that one person that you can't trust with the camera. <laughs> oh, my wife is a saint, isn't she? Uh, it's having a little too much fun with this family photo shoot. And uh, so this is our family. And within our family, three years ago, we were able to receive the gift of a child named Jasmine. Jasmine, our youngest, was adopted a couple years ago. She's been with us for a little over three years. And you talk about putting something in front of me that has taught me more about what the word adopted means. I want to share with you a little of the backstory because when we received the phone call, it was on her fifth birthday. Received a phone call. We had signed up to be foster parents, adoptive pre-placement kind of thing. And we, we, God had given us that kind of heart, but we were waiting on the Lord to reveal the timing. And truthfully, Cindy uh, had, had really led the way. And, and so there's this moment that, that God is beginning, we get this phone call, will you guys consider meeting this little girl? You can meet her three times and then you have to make a decision because she's in a good foster home already. We're looking for a forever family. And so we, we went through the three visits and we kept praying and asking the Lord. Our hearts were beginning to really open up, not just to her, but, but to the Lord. And I'll never forget, I'm, I'm literally buying chips, which I need to quit doing. If you see me at Publix in the chip aisle, say, Pastor, no, you're better than that, okay? And so, I'm, no joke, I'm in the chip aisle and we're at, we're at this point of decision, of will we go ahead and adopt, and I'll never forget it. As I'm praying and thinking through this moment, I lose it in the chip aisle. And it wasn't because they were out of Doritos. <laughs> I just lose it, and I'm crying in the chip aisle because the Lord just washed over me with what I would call is the heart of the Father. I'll never replace a biological father, but God has asked me to be her earthly father. And the heart of the father just washed over me, and I could not imagine not having Jasmine a part of our family and in our home. So we said yes. And that led to some amazing moments. Here's actually the, the moment of adoption. This was May 29th of 2019. The next picture, please. This is the moment where it became official. Aren't you glad I changed my hair? <laughs> and yes, I do own sport coats. And so this is the moment where it became real, where her name became our name, where everything that the Bennett family was and stood for was enriched by her joining, but also she received all that we had to offer. She was one of us. She was adopted. This next picture tells you a little bit about the tribe we had there. 
those, that is our f- close friends and family uh, from the church there that uh, joined us. We had to get the largest courtroom. In fact, the bailiffs on the left and right both attended the church and asked to be on duty for our, our adoption. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. There is something God does in this act of adoption that, that I've ex- we've experienced as a family but I want to ask you, have, have you received all that it means for you? That no matter your background, no matter what you've done, Jesus has paid the price and adopts you into his family and says, you're now mine. You're my beloved. Let me read to you again these statements that Paul had shared. He says, you're adopted. You're blessed. You're beloved. You are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are lavished, like, yes, Lord, hook me up. Lavish your love, your mercy, your grace. This is our identity. And yes, we're united in this new family, this new family of God that he gives us. And this this really is the heart of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said and, and prayed in John chapter 17. In verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only. So Jesus is praying for us. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. But they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that we may be perfectly one. Say one. One. That we would be one with him and one with each other. So that the world, he says, may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed that we would be one, that we would be unified. A few years back, this was in 2018, our family took a trip to Mackinac Island in Michigan, and uh, we had ridden around on bikes and, and enjoyed the island. We're in a little tourist trap, I mean shop, and uh, as we're in that, that tourist shop, there's a moment where Cindy and I see this, this picture that is now in our home. Let me show it to you. This is where it all began for me. Some of you have caught me using the phrase, better together. This is where it began. Began on Mackinac Island as I saw this, a tandem bike that that was a picture of what it meant to be unified, to be aligned, to be headed in the same direction, that we really are better together. And that's the heart of Jesus, is that we would be one, that we are better together, that we're better when we are unified to him. Paul goes on here, after giving them a little identity clarity, he begins to talk about their family inheritance. And I don't know about you, but you kind of, growing up as a young kid, you wonder what that'll look like someday, right? Like, what is the family inheritance maybe going to mean or not mean? And Paul says, listen, when you come into this new family, you've got a completely new inheritance. Let's look at it. Verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise 
of his glory. You see, Jesus is over all. He's over our family inheritance. Paul describes in here a Holy Spirit that is given to us that confirms that inheritance that you're now a part of the family of God. That Holy Spirit preserves and protects. It also provides. It provides what we need in order to love one another and to live the way God wants us to live. He also said in that same bit there around our inheritance that it's part of the gospel, the good news. That that in fact, this good news of Jesus is the fact that we have this new inheritance and this new family, these new people to do life with. If you think about the cross of Jesus Christ in the gospel, the fact that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again, when we look to the cross, we find forgiveness for our sins and we find not just a new identity, but a new inheritance. And that new inheritance gives us new brothers and new sisters some of who look like us, some of who don't, some of us who have a background that is similar, some of us who don't, but we find commonality and unity in Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? I mean, the amazing thing about it is when we look to the cross of Jesus Christ, we need, I think, to be reminded and encouraged that the foot of the cross is the most level ground. That the foot of the cross is the most level ground. That no matter what we've done, where we've been, we all come to the foot of the cross as sinners in need of a Savior. And that Jesus meets us there. He fills us with his spirit and he begins to unite us in this new body, this new family that we've inherited. Just like you didn't choose your earthly family, most of us. You also don't get to choose your spiritual family. God is the one, it says, that adopts and predestines and chooses and pulls us together. And so in that, we have to find a little bit more grace, a little bit more of his love to love one another. It's quiet in here. (laughs) Galatians chapter 3, notice what Paul says here to the church in Galatia. He says, for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. So he describes this ethnic and religious difference at the time. He says, that's gone in Jesus. He said, there is neither slave nor free. This is dealing with economic class. He says, there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This should be awe-inspiring. This should be encouraging. This should point us beyond ourselves to who Jesus is and what his divine design is for his church. Francis Chan, an author and a pastor, says this, that we worship a God who desires unity with his children and between his children, that we worship a God who has set in motion a new identity, a new family inheritance, and he desires for our unity, that we as kids would come to his table and find unity with one another. And so when we look at this, I think of my own family, both growing up and today, 
And I think of the fact that when we come to the table in a spirit of love and unity and empathy, we begin to not see issues in the family, but we begin to understand the individuals and hear the stories and know how to better love and serve one another. Can you see how that would help your family? How that might help our church family? How that might set in motion something different that is God's design for his church? Because here's the thing, there is a culture right now that is trying to figure out how to do this work of unity. And what I see in this Bible is a God who says, y'all can try it, but without my son Jesus, without my spirit, you're not going to be able to figure this out. Which means, church, we have the answer. And we need to trust the Lord and allow him to lead us as we live that out. And he doesn't leave us alone, right? He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new inheritance, and then he gives us immeasurable power, it says, an immeasurable power to do this and to be who he's called us to be. Y'all, I'm getting fired up. Here we go. Verse 15, here's the end of Ephesians chapter 1, which we're covering the whole thing today because I believe it has for us what we need to get this series moving and started. Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, there's that word again, in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power, say power, power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. I want to point out a couple of things here as we, we look at this immeasurable power that God has for us. The, the first is that in the, those first four verses there, 15 through 19, he talks about a faith, a hope, and a love. That there's this faith the church has that he's giving thanks for. That they have a faith to believe beyond what they see in Ephesus and in their context. That they, they have a hope in Jesus and what he's able to do. And that they're filled with this love that's just moving beyond within but also beyond the borders. This was the amazing aspect of what the early church experienced. The gospel good news was contagious People wanted what people saw in the church. There was a love that had to be shared. A few months ago, we set in motion this initiative called Love 100. And we just want you to know, if you're here on site or if you're online during the week, these kits are available year-round now. They're in the Welcome Center. They're in the Hub. These are kits beautifully designed to allow you to take them, as many as you need, and to go out and to share love with your neighbors and anything he, anyone he puts in your pathway. That's what the early church was doing because they weren't backing down. They knew that there was this immeasurable power that was with them. That word dunamis uh, is the word for power, the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. 
It, it's this, this dynamite, explosive power that the church is meant to have as we live out our faith. If the church is operating in that, we will see our communities, both in our walls and out there, changed and transformed. There is an immeasurable power. So some of us are sitting here going, I don't know how to do that. I'm, I'm scared to go share my faith. I'm scared to love others. I don't know how to sit at the table with my own family. Anybody? I don't know how to talk to, to people that are different than me. And, and what we see here is Paul is saying, listen, there's an immeasurable power in the body of Christ to do what we can't do. So in our weakness, our God is able and he is glorified. Quit talking about what you can't do and talk about what he can do. That he is able and he is overall. Paul goes on here to say this, verse 19 again, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all, ruler or rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, say all things, all things, including your social media, including your newsfeed, including all those things you're worried about, he's placed all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There is so much within that that I believe God wants us to understand what we've already been given. This inheritance, this, this identity, this immeasurable power. There's a story, a true story of William Hearst, the the famous newspaper publisher from decades ago. And in that, he, he was an art collector. He had a lot of wealth. And, and he set out one of his assistants to go out and find some particular art that he had heard about. And so he sent him out. And months later, this assistant comes back and says, Mr. Hurst, I found the art that you were looking for. Of course, he gets excited and thinks, great, I'm finally going to get it. And the man looks at him and says, it was actually in your warehouse. You actually already had it and owned it. You just didn't realize it. Church, can you imagine if we caught this vision that Paul is laying out? We already have a new identity in Christ. We already have a new inheritance in Christ. We already have an immeasurable power to live this out that is changing and transforming a church and a world. We have everything we need. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. Can you see it? What will it look like when we walk as Pathway Church in that reality? That we are one. That we are unified. That we are not just talking about it, but we're living it. That his love is filling this place and adding to our number as people say, that's different than what I'm seeing in the world. Three questions for you as I close. Next steps. First one, is Jesus the center 
of your identity. I could do a whole message just on that. Is he the center of your identity? Is Jesus truly where your life starts, begins, and centers? Wrestle with that. Because you are adopted, you are blessed, you are the beloved, you are lavished, you have a new inheritance. Secondly, is Jesus' family inheritance a priority to you? Have you got to that place where your faith is no longer just about me and Jesus loving God, but you're to that place where you actually want to love, like Jesus said, your neighbor? Is your family inheritance a priority? Only you know the answer to that. And it begins wherever you, your earthly family is, then comes here to your church family, and then goes out there. Y'all, can I just tell you, we have some work to do in our homes. We have some works to do in our pathway church home. But if we make this a priority, God's going to move because it's his heart. Amen? And third, is Jesus' love an immeasurable power present Monday through Saturday in your life. Not just now when we're worshiping, not just now when we're online and in person together, but are you walking and operating in God's immeasurable power during the week because it's available to you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pray us into a time to respond. And this song is a new song to us it's a song that I think is going to blow the roof off this place, which is uh, maybe going to be interesting because I think it's raining right now. But it's a great picture, right, of what I believe God wants to do. He wants to pour in as we put Jesus back in his rightful place. As we say, Jesus, you are over all. You are over all my drama. Any of you have some drama? <laughs> Liars. He's over our drama, and he's over the drama out there. Jesus is over all. And so this song calls us to declare that and to believe and to walk in to a new season together. Let's stand, and I'm going to pray us in to praising and worshiping. Our prayer partners will be up here on both sides if you're in person, available to pray with you at the altar. You're welcome to come forward. If you're online, our chat host would love to talk with you and pray with you as well. God is so good, isn't he? Jesus, we love you and praise you. You have given us so much in your word today to wrestle with, and we thank you for what you are revealing, a new identity, a new inheritance, and this immeasurable power. And Father, we want to walk and be who you have called us to be. We thank you that, Jesus, you're over all. And so right now in this moment as we stand and praise and worship and pray together, I ask that you would be so present and so glorified, lift our eyes, raise our gaze to really worship you. May we soar with you as we look to you now and we say, Jesus, you are over all. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.
took on flesh to save the lost grace and mercy displayed upon the cross our redemption he's the hope for all mankind one name over everything one name over
Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Because of that reality, it changes everything. He's over everything. He's over all of the things we are facing. And I just feel in many ways that I'm going to just say another prayer. And I'm going to say, hey, here's what's happening, right? Out that door, if you're a visitor, there's a place that you can go and get a gift at our Welcome Center. If you're a woman and interested in the meet and greet, my wife, Cindy, woohoo, <laughs> is over here in the hub. She'd love to meet you. Cafe's available. Giving online or in person is available. There's just a sense I had that God isn't done in this room. And so we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys to just kind of go back in. Can we go back in? Because I think what I need and what we need more than anything is this sense of his presence with us. Because you're about to go out those doors to be his church. And before you go, let me just invite you to take all the time you need in his presence. Because he's over everything you're about to walk out and face. And his immeasurable power is available. And whatever they say you are, whatever they say his church is, doesn't get the final word. Only Jesus does. So I'm going to just pray, and then you do you, whatever that looks like. But this space is available for us to just continue to say, Jesus, you're over all. Let it get in in a deep place today. Our prayer team will stay available. Our chat host will be there for you. If you have kids, if it hits 1030, please go get them. <laughs> have to say that so I don't get in trouble. Father, we love you and we just thank you for who you are. God, you are so, so good. And you are over everything. And as we continue in that spirit, I pray that your immeasurable power would be poured out on your people. That we would be no longer bound by the labels and the lies and the things that the enemy is throwing at us every day. May the pieces of your body not be removed, but be united in ways that shows the all-surpassing power and greatness of who you are. So Jesus, as we go here in the next few minutes to love God and love all people in our pathway, may we be the church you've called us to be. May we operate in your immeasurable power and share your love with everyone in our pathway. We thank you that Jesus, you're over all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship him as you feel led. Over fear. Over shame, over all anxiety, over troubles and no pain, over sickness 